Well, I'm glad to have Drew with us tonight. If you don't know Drew, he is our associate pastor, and uh, he is going to be bringing us the lesson tonight. We spoke this morning when we hung up. I thought, Lord, we need this. I'm glad he's going to be here. He's prepared. He's ready. So I hope you have an open heart. What we wanted to do is we want to start off with a table discussion question. I'm going to put it up on the screen here. And the question is, share something that you love to do. Now, that could be a hobby. It could be work. I don't really know what it is, but I want you just around the table, take a few minutes and share something that you love to do and why you love to do it. And then Drew will come back and teach here in just a few minutes. All right. Good to be here tonight, and I appreciate uh, Derek giving me the opportunity to teach. You know, I'm kind of like, I'm always in the bullpen, okay? And so... They bring me on. I'm like the, I'm, I'm not the guy they bring in to win the game. I'm the guy that comes in when there's trouble and you maybe we can get one or two innings out of him, okay? So they, they usually bring me in for one shot, okay? That, that's, that's about all I'm good for. And, uh, but aren't you thankful for guys that can teach like Jason and uh, Derek and Noah, and, and I know you guys uh, have had a great time down here, and I know what they've been teaching, and uh, I actually went back this week and listened to the last two sessions and uh, just to catch up and see what had been going on, but uh, it's a pleasure to be here tonight and to uh, kind of follow up, and maybe I can give them an inning or two, and uh, your all-stars will be back next next week, your starters. Uh but uh, it's good to be here. Hey, you know, when I, when I was thinking about tonight, you know, I love to hear you guys talk about uh, what you love to do. And uh, listen to this table, and one of the guys said he loves golf because it's so hard. And, uh, you know, maybe if he keeps working at it, he'll eventually get it. And I was like, yeah, I understand that. I understand that, you know. Uh, what was the guy said about golf? He says, equipment's not your problem. But talent is, yeah. <laughs> so, uh, but we, we know. But, you know, the things we love to do, we get really excited about. At the Tucker family, uh, one of the things we get real excited about and we love to do is college football. And uh, I tell you, we uh, are kind of college football fans. And how many of you enjoyed the games this past weekend? There were some great games. And uh, any Alabama Bama fans in here? Uh, but you, any Tennessee fans? Maybe that's a better question. Okay, all right. You know, I was I found myself watching that game. I told my wife, I said, I, I don't even like either one of these teams. Why am I watching this game? You know, uh, I'm not fans. I, I'm an Arkansas fan, so you can't like Tennessee. All right, yeah, I know. And uh, and then you know, I've just never been an Alabama fan. So anyway, uh, but and when college football, we get excited about that. And you know, I have a, a son. Uh, who is at Florida State, and here's a picture of him. Uh, he coaches down there at Florida State, and this is him and his family, and uh, boy, there's a lot of tradition down there. At the, uh, hopefully, uh, we're going to get to go this year at, uh, during Thanksgiving. We're going to go to the Florida-Florida State game. Now, my dad played at Florida, okay? So I grew up being a Gator fan. So now I got a son coaching at Florida State. We hated Florida State. Well, now I love Florida State, all right, because go Knowles, okay? His position, this is another picture of him. Uh, 
he's, his, his role there is he's an offensive analyst, and he works with the running backs. And uh, so uh, he went there with Norvell. And, uh, man, we just – I love college football because it's – I mean, those guys work so hard, and there's just, you know, the, the big five, the power five schools, there's just so little margin for – mistakes and you know it's, it's it all comes down to maybe one play who makes the least mistakes or who misses the field goal and who kicks one through that's a knuckleball I mean who does that okay I mean you know how does that all how do you win with 16 seconds I don't know it just you know it all lined up where they were both teams prepared yeah they were prepared there's a little bit of luck involved in it but I still love the game and I'm always intrigued about how much dedication uh, they put into it. Now, when my son coached at Memphis with Norvell, he, he was a GA then, uh, he used to tell me about a guy on their team. And I don't know if you remember this guy, but his name was Anthony Miller. Y'all remember him? He's a wide receiver. And he used to talk about him. But I, I want to tell you a little bit uh, about Anthony. I, I was just Because he'd just come home and he'd, say, he'd start talking about this kid. But Anthony, he was a walk-on at the University of Memphis. He redshirted in 2013, then again in 2014 due to an injury. In 2015, he played 12 games and made four starts, recording blah, blah, blah. In 2016, Miller started all 13 games and set school records with 95 receptions and 1,400 yards, 14 touchdowns. In his senior year, he broke records, uh, even broke his own record. Uh, he broke Carlos Singleton's school record for receiving touchdowns and his own record for a single season receiving touchdowns. But, but the point of this is he would come home and he said, you know, Dad, he said, this kid's amazing. I said, well, he goes, of all the guys that I've played with, he played at Arkansas and he played with guys like um, Peyton Hillis and Darren McFadden. And uh, what was the uh, guy that played for Dallas? Uh, Jones, what was his name? Uh, Felix Jones, yeah, Felix Jones, yeah. And so he played with some great players, okay? And he coached there, he coached at Memphis, he coached at Auburn, he's been at a lot of different... So he's seen some really good pro players, good players. I said, well, what is the difference between this guy? He says, Dad... This guy not only plays the game, but he gives 100% at every practice. I said, really? He goes, he says, he's amazing. We have to try to tell him to calm down a little bit. And the thing about Anthony Miller, he was probably not the most gifted or talented guy, but his work ethic was over the top. And he had purpose and he had meaning. And, you know, a lot of us, when we go through practice, you know, you got some of these guys like Darren McFadden. I'm sure he just kind of went through the motions. And you turn the lights on, though, the boy, he was, he was a star, okay? And that's how some of these guys are. They got all the talent in the world and they, they don't practice well. But, man, you turn the lights on, they're, they're players. But a lot of times they don't last. But here's Anthony Miller, the kid that impressed my son so much because he was all in, 100%, all the time. You know, that's what you kind of coach kids. You know, you tell them, you say, play 
you know, you play like you practice, right? Well, this guy really exemplified it. Now, here's what I want you to do. I'm going to turn it back to the tables, and this is your question, all right? Let's put that up there. What are the results and feelings of just going through the motions? We know what it is to exert the energy, to play hard, to practice hard. But in your own personal life, talk about what it is and what it feels like as you as a man to just go through the motions. Got it? All right, go. I'll give you a few minutes. What does it feel like to just go through the motions? All right. I think we all know what it feels like to go through the motions. And tonight's lesson really is to challenge us to not go, just go through the emotions. And sometimes we have to identify, you know, we're all searching for meaning. I do encourage you, if, if, you, weren't, if you don't have a chance to come to Men of Memphis on Thursday morning, uh, I would encourage you to go to our uh, website and listen to Pastor as he taught last week on Solomon. I'm going to refer to Solomon, but it was a fantastic uh, lesson. And it just so happens that some of the verses I'll give you tonight are from Solomon, but I, I would not try to teach up against him at anything. <laughs> That'd be like Alabama playing Memphis. But anyway, uh, anyway. Uh, but you know, Ecclesiastes 3 says this, For everything there is a season, a time for every activity under heaven. And um, Solomon was searching for meaning. You know, he was looking for the meaning. You know, he spent his whole life searching for the meaning of life. And it's a fascinating book as you go through and see what all he did uh, and uh, how he goes through. You know, he got in trouble. He had everything. He had power. He had money. He had, you know, a thousand women, uh, which is really what got him in trouble. You know, you can't handle ones. Why do you think you could handle a thousand, okay? Uh, and that was really a, a part of his downfall. But he was on a search to find meaning. And, and what I find is that, you know, when Solomon's problem was when he disconnected from God, he got into trouble. And I think sometimes in our search, we search for meaning through some of the things we enjoy. Uh, we search through meaning... Uh, th just busyness, activity, all the things we do. And, and sometimes we just don't, we, we disconnect from God. How many of you have ever gone down the wrong path and tried to find happiness or peace in, in the wrong place? You know, if you're not raising your hand, you're lying. And uh, uh, there's, you know, I, I raise both my hands. But, you know, we just do that. And there's nothing worse than being in a place in your life where it's meaningless, you know, I've looked forward to a lot of things and then got through some things and go, is that it? Is that it? If you have the, the blessing of living as, as long as I've lived, now uh, 65, you come to start to realize that, oh, man, that was great, but that really doesn't last. It's kind of like a good meal or a good movie. I mean, how long does that last? How does that, you know, it, it has meaning, but, you know, things 
of this world grow strangely dim the older you get. I've been there, done that, got the t-shirt. And, uh, but what we're going to talk about tonight last, let me, let me tell you what uh, Ecclesiastes 3.11, put that on there. This is what it says. Yet God has made everything beautiful for its own time. He has planted eternity in the human heart. Now, I'm going to stop right there because that is a key point of that scripture. Because we as believers, and I hope you've come to that point where you've accepted Christ and you believe in him. But when you do do that, God places eternity in your heart. And you know what? That's a game changer. Things start to look different. Things start to feel different. And what Solomon's saying, hey, I've looked at everything under the sun. I've done everything under the sun. I can do anything I want to. And I'm just telling you, God has put eternity in your heart. Now, it's, uh, but even so, people cannot see the whole scope of God's work from the beginning to the end. Uh, how many of you question God sometimes or understand what he's doing? You know, we, we don't understand what he's doing. We, we try to figure him out. And, you know, we want to know why. We want to know why. Why is this going on? Why is this happening? You know, and, and what Solomon says, hey, I've done all that. You're not going to understand some things from the beginning to the end. There are just going to be some things you don't understand. Well, tonight, I'm going to coach you up a little bit, okay? I'm just going to coach you up and give you a uh, just a few things. I'm not, I don't want to overwhelm you, but I want you to just grasp a few things, okay? And then uh, we'll move on. The first thing that I think on my coaching tips that I think you got to come to is this word acceptance. You know, in our journey, um, we just have a hard time accepting the cards that are dealt to us, don't we? Sometimes uh, we start to question God. Uh, you know, some of you in here might be at that point, you know, and you just, it's, you just have a hard time accepting what God has allowed. You know, everything comes through God's hands. It's allowed. And bad things happen to good people. And I think we all have to learn that. But, you know, in order for us to get started, we have to accept our situation. I think about Anthony Miller and, I mean, he was a walk-on. You know how hard it is for a walk-on? Uh, my son walked on at Arkansas. They literally abused him, okay? But you know what? He knew he wanted to be a coach. He wanted to play with the best. He wanted to coach with the best. So what did he do? He stuck it out for four years. He finally got on the field, and he was the holder. He wasn't fast enough. He wasn't, but you know what? He had great hands, and he, you know, he did it. He stuck it out. Well, sometimes... We just can't accept our situation. I think God really calls us and he really challenges us to accept our situation. I want you to remember uh, there's only one will, okay? It's God's will. You that have uh, children, people say, well, you know, Drew Jr., he just has a strong will. And no, there's only one will. It's God's will. You might have a child that's easygoing and 
has, but they have a will. They kind of do their own thing, you know, quiet. But, but really, there's only one, one will, and that's God's will. And the question is, are you willing to accept the cards that are dealt you along the way? A lot of guys can't accept that. Think about Jesus in the garden. Look, look at this scripture. Uh, this is where the turning point was for Jesus. And he's in the garden of Gethsemane. And he says, Father, if you are willing, please take this cup away, suffering it from me. Yet I want your will to be done, not mine. You know, Jesus came to this earth, agreed to come to this earth, agreed to be man-God, God-man, and walk this earth because it was the will of the Father. He knew the purpose. He was on mission. He did that. But you know what? He had to die to himself and place him in that situation. And you know what? There was a part of his will. Maybe it was the man side. I don't know. But, you know, Lord, I, I really don't want, you know, is this what you want? You know, I don't want to suffer. Who? Uh, I wouldn't sign up for that. I'm, I'm just telling you, I'm built for deluxe. I like things that are deluxe, okay? When I get in something that's deluxe or I have an experience, I like it. I like good food. I, I'm just kind of built for it. Nobody signs up for suffering, do they? No. We don't, we don't we, you know, sometimes I see people suffer and go through sickness. And, and, and I, I know you have too, or losing a loved one. You just go, oh, gosh, how did they get through that? And I don't want to go through that. Well, you know, nobody would sign up for it, but we don't get to choose what we go through. We do get to choose if we accept it as God's will. And if he's the God that loves us, we've got to understand and think the things that we go through are through the hands of the loving Father. That's hard to do. That's hard to do. Because what do we do when bad things happen? Yep. We start, to, we start to think, oh, you know, well, I've done something wrong. But God's will for you, um, God's will for you is always possible. So whatever you go through, you can get through it. You can do that. But you have to accept your situation. And I find, you know, it's kind of like the guy that has one talent, you know, in the Bible and the guy that has five talents. You know, everybody wants what? Five talents, right? But let me tell you something. The guy that has one talent, he's not satisfied with one. How many is he? He wants two. He's always comparing himself. Oh, well, you know, I got one talent. Well, if I had five talents, I could probably accept this. No. The guy with five talents has to fight off pride, and he always wants more. This person over here is not confident. This person over here that has two or three talents, he wants to be a five-talent guy, you know? And so he's always comparing back and forward and, you know, where do I fit into this? thing? The, the deal is, accept. If you got one talent, you should be thankful for that talent. We all got talent. of some, But we can't, we have a hard time accepting where we are, what God's given us. But you know what? It might be, you got to believe that this is what God's given me and accept that. And, and that's a big deal in turning this uh, around. Second thing, 
Oh, I want to read you this. Let me read you this scripture before I go from that. And because I just want you to know, I, you know, this is we. I I don't, didn't make that up. In John fourteen fifteen says this. It says, "If you love me, obey my commandments." See, it's it's about accepting what God gave you and loving Him and then being obedient to what He's called us to do. Uh, because Jesus says in, in John 15, 15, He says, I've no longer called you slaves uh, because a master doesn't confide in slaves. Now you are my friends. These, these are the words of Jesus. Now you are my friends since I've told you everything the Father told me. You didn't choose me, but what? I chose you. I appointed you to go and produce lasting fruit so that the Father will give you whatever you ask for in using my name. This is my command, love each other. You know, when we don't accept things, our hearts become bitter, we get mad, we start uh, doubting, and the next thing that goes is, which is number two, is our attitude. Yeah, this kid, um, I was just so intrigued. My son's coached so many people, but it was he just had such a great attitude. How do you come to practice every day and give 100%? Well, I can tell you one thing. He had a great attitude. He was focused. He had a great attitude. You know, how do you survive in what we do and... Keep a good attitude in a world that's broken. How do you keep a good attitude at a workplace and you're working with broken people and you got people shooting at you, you got people, uh, you know, demeaning you, manipulating you, you know, just being unkind. Uh, and here we are as Christians trying to work through all this. Listen to uh, what Philippians 4 uh, five says and following. Listen to this. Let everyone see that you are considerate in all you do. Remember the Lord is coming soon. Now, all of you have heard this scripture. All of you. <laughs> do not worry about anything. Philippians is a great book to study. Instead, pray about everything. Tell God what you need. Thank him for all he's done. You realize that Jesus died on the cross, experienced death, for us to pay the penalty of our sin. He actually experienced suffering and death. So he knows what we're going through. I forget that sometimes. Then you experience God's peace. We all want God's peace, right? When we find meaning, we find what? Peace, it seems, in my life. And he says, uh, which exceeds anything we can understand. His peace will guard our hearts and our minds as you live in Christ Jesus. Now, dear brothers and sisters, one final thing. Fix your thoughts on what is true and honorable. You know, pastor's been preaching on how to get a hold of your mind, right? Uh, think your thought. Fix your thoughts on what is true, honorable, right, pure, lovely, and admirable. Think about these things because they're excellent and worthy of praise. Keep putting... Keep putting into practice all you've learned and received from me. Now, here's the thing. Keep putting into practice what you've learned. 
going through the motions is, won't, won't get it. You got to put into practice some of these scriptures that you know and claim them and do them. And we get, we get hung up. We get hung up as men with this, and it starts to affect our attitude, which I always refer to that as, as the heart. You know, uh, this heart part of, um, it affects our heart. I love this scripture, and uh, it always challenges Matthew 22, 36 through 38. Teacher, what is the most important commandment in the law of the most? This is Jesus speaking. What's the most important thing? Jesus replied, love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your soul, all your mind. This is the greatest commandment. Let me tell you something. Anthony Miller loved football. And he was on mission because you know why? He knew that was his way out. My, my son tells me all the time, some of these kids come, they, they come to play football so they can get to, they call it the league. That's their deal. That's their goal. That's a, and so, but he was all in. And he was 5'11", weighed 199 pounds. There's no way this kid should have made it. But he was just a winner. And he put everything. And listen, that's the kind of commitment that I'm talking about from you. Being all in. Going all out. It's a heart issue. You know, they try to recruit players that have heart. And I'm telling you, when we just go through the motions, what happens? You lose your heart. You get beat down. You get tired. You get, you know, and we start succumbing to the world and we start to look more like the world because, you know, I, I, we've all read that scripture. And there's so much in the playbook that's trying to coach us up. But we love every other things. You know, the things that you love to do, you think about them, right? I love to play golf. I love to think about, you know, my swing. I, I didn't play much this year because I had my knee replaced. But, you know, when I start playing, I can't quit thinking about it. You know, I, I'm wondering what's wrong with my putting and, you know, what what am I doing wrong? I'll watch videos and I'm still bad. But anyway, uh, you know, I, I keep thinking, well, if I can put enough time and energy and play more, I can, I can do better. Let me just tell you something. If you'll put more time and energy into loving God and looking at his playbook, you know what? You're going to get better. It's just, it's just what you put your energy and your effort into. Third thing, I really want to land right here, and this is, this is where I really start to think and and I just want to tell you I want you to reject passivity you say well brother Drew you know what do you mean by that you know there's all these studies going on in uh, in person personnel uh, at, at your workplace you know the big deal going on now is the emotional IQ you know you have your IQ you have emotional uh, IQ and then you have relational uh, skills and you know the question is as we as people they're starting to measure all that and uh, you know I've found out you don't really have to go to a, a 
an executive coach or a coach and take one of these tests, just ask your wife. She knows, okay? Uh, she can tell you, right? Uh, but there, it's good to go sit down and talk to somebody and ha- let them tell you about yourself based off one of these tests. It really is because you're just like, how do you know that? Just by the questions I, an- I ask. And so uh, I work with a guy that uh, I, I, I call him, he's really a, he's a, he's a coach. He's a mentor. Uh, he just took me on and has just loved on me. He's really kind of like my psychologist, okay, when I'm struggling or, you know, he'll bring me in. He says, well, you know, he says, I'd, I'd like to do this test on you. I said, okay. Yeah, and so we did it. And so I've been meeting with him. And so the first day he brought me in, he said, you know, he goes, you got a real interesting profile. He goes, I'm real encouraged. He goes, I think I got it figured out. He goes, here's what I think you need to do. He says, if you'll just get a little bit taller, you're going to be fine. <laughs> And I was like, a little bit taller? He goes, and he laughed. You know, he thought that was funny. He said, you know, because why? You're not going to get any taller. So, you know, you come here tonight, you can go home and say, well, the coach said if I get a little bit taller, I'm going to be fine. Well, you're not getting any taller. If anything, we're getting shorter, okay? And, um, you know, we, we look at all this, and he told me one day, he said, you know, if you're 40, and you don't know yourself, you've just not been paying attention, okay? We, we do should know ourselves, and we should uh, be able to uh, know what excites us, what gets us going. And, uh, but we have to get to this point where we get over our feelings. How many of you know that so much of what is driven is driven by how you feel? You know, and that is what creates emotion you know emotion and is, is a combination of you know uh, what we feel and how we think our intellect and what I'm going to challenge you tonight is to really get a little bit more in touch with your feelings feelings are words that we've attached to our emotions that's all they are and I think sometimes men quit we quit anthony miller he just didn't quit that's what made him so unusual i mean he just he didn't take a day off he he rejected being passive at practice even because he was just unusual you just don't find that much and what i find in men is when we get passive we start to go through the motions and we just, I see guys do it every Sunday at church. I see, you know, I stand up there sometimes and watch, and I see guys coming in. I can tell the guys that are there, and they're checking the box. They sit down, sit like this, and let's worship. And, you know, they're looking at their wife like, you know, I showed up. I'm here. I'm checking this box. I'm, you know, because I knew you'd be mad at me if I didn't come to church. But you know what? Man, let me tell you, there's a difference between checking the box and showing up for the right reason. There's all in, all out, sold out, love the Lord your God with all your heart and mind and soul. I know the people that show up to do that. Because why? You can't hide it. You can't hide Anthony Miller and a bunch of people. Because why? He has heart. He has passion. 
He's accepted who he is, and he's working, he's growing, he's trying to become more and more. This He wanted to go to the NFL, and he's survived four years now, uh, and he's on Pittsburgh's uh, injured reserve list because he's hurt, and he's been hurt the last uh, couple of years. But anyway, the question is, are you passive? What are you passive about? Those, how, many, how many are married here? I think most everybody here is married, right? Okay, all right. Well, we've all made mistakes. But anyway, no, I'm just kidding. <laughs> but you chose, okay? And I chose. That was my decision, all right? And sometimes we think, you know, we marry, uh, you know, women marry us thinking they're going to change us. And we marry women thinking they won't change, and they do, right? <laughs> if you stay married long enough, let me tell you, women change, okay? It's just different. But sometimes, I ask this guy that I work with, I say, hey, man, you work with men and all over the time, but what, what do you see the results of passivity? And he, he goes, man, he goes, that's, I've never had that question. That's really, I said, well, I'm teaching uh, this week, and I uh, said, I'm teaching on passivity. I'd just kind of like to hear what you think. He says, well, he, he thought, you know, a little bit. He says, and I've never heard this answer before. This is a great answer. He said, you know what? He says, when men are passive, it scares to death their wives. I thought, oh. When men are passive, it scares the women half to death. I thought, man, that's really good. Because you know what? We don't think like that. But our ladies, when we get passive, it scares them. I just want to challenge you. God's called you to lead. Jason did a great job teaching about leadership. It's your responsibility. You can delegate authority, but not responsibility. What you have, your wife, your children, it's your responsibility under the umbrella of God. It's your responsibility to do what? To provide, to lead, to protect all those roles that we have as men. But they're under your umbrella and you can't get away from the responsibility. I don't do the uh, books at my house. Uh, Kim does all the uh, financial stuff. And it's probably good, Ron. I'm, I mean, I know you're great at that, but uh, I'm not. And uh, she pays attention, and she's really good at it. So I delegate that authority to her. Now, does that mean I don't check in every once in a while? You know, I have to check in and she goes through things just to see where things are going. It kills me every time. That going to the getting your hair done. You know, that one and Starbucks. You know, every time I see that Starbucks cup, I think, oh, there goes another six dollars. Uh, but uh, you know, I've delegated that authority to her, but I'm still responsible to get with her and work through that. So we, we all do that. But guys, we're responsible, so you can't be, um, you just can't be passive. Uh, let me read this scripture to you. I'll make sure I'm staying on time here. I got this new Bible, and it's just not, 
and my other Bible's falling apart. And so I got a new Bible. I like what's in it, but I just don't like it. You know, it's just hard. You know, new things, that the pages stick together, and I don't know. I'm working on it. But my other one, it's just, it's terrible. It's, it's falling apart. It's, it's bad. But I just, I've had it so long, I love it. It's all marked up, you know, I know. Listen to this. A good person produces good things from the treasury of a good heart. And an evil person produces evil things from the treasury of an evil heart. What you say flows from what is in your heart. Now listen, guys, we can't be passive in leading our women. And you, you got to show up. When you're passive and you're not present, you're just checking out. And there's nothing flowing out of your heart. Why? We're out. We're numb. Everything's become what? Meaningless. Because we have lost our vision for what God created us to be and to do. Because we've either gotten disappointed or we've got distracted by something. Or we've been through a crisis and emotionally what have we done? We've just shut down. How many of you, I'm not going to ask you, but uh, I know what it is to shut down. I've been shut down. And at times I just get flat. I've seen it. I've seen it in people. I've felt it. It took a while, but eventually it did happen to me. I was like, oh, you know, because I used to go like, you know, you just got to suck it up and get tough, you know. I tell you, when it happens to you, (laughs) uh, you just go, oh, man. I didn't know this is what that felt like. And God allows us to go through some things to make us more Christ-like. And you got to accept that. you got to embrace that. And you can get through it. One of the guys at the table said, I love to come here on Wednesday night and be amongst men and talk about with my friends. Because you know what? He understands you need other people. You need other men in your life to help you reject passivity, to encourage you. And to listen to you. Um, I used to teach a lot of men's fraternity um, back in Arkansas. And these are the things, that the five things that they'd say. Reject passivity. Accept responsibility. Lead courageously. Now listen. It takes courage to lead. It takes courage to keep doing the things that God tells you to do when you don't see the fruit. I was in, I've got an accountability group out of Arkansas, and last week I was talking to them. This guy is probably one of the smartest guys I've ever known. He's a psychologist, and it was good to hear that the psychologist was struggling with some anxiety. I was like, well, hey, you know, maybe I'm not that bad. This is a guy that works with people every day and tells them how to get well, and he's struggling with anxiety. What do you do with that? He said, you know, my wife gave me a great acronym last. He goes, and he, this guy's just, he's a producer. I mean, he's, you know, motivated. He's, you know, a control freak, and, you know, I won't tell you his name. because, uh, But anyway, he said, and it's the word NATO, and it stands for this. Um, 
not attached to the outcome. I was talking to my son the, uh, the other day, and I said, he was talking about how difficult it is to coach in the, uh, he said, Dad, these people are crazy. And he says, you know, we were 4-0, and and everybody, you know, now we're 4-2, and and these people are just, you know, it's just the media, social media, you've seen it. I mean, there's just got these people just attacking. I said, well, Austin, I said, here's what you got to do, man. You got to really, at this point, realize you're in a, one of the, I don't know how you do it. He's in a win-loss. That's the outcome. The win and the loss, right? That's how they measure. And I said, if you're going to stay in this profession, you're going to have to not get too attached to that outcome and realize God's doing a whole lot more with those players, with you at four and two, and you, you have, you know, and when you're searching and when you're looking for something, boy, that sounds good. He goes, yeah, yeah, yeah. He goes, you're, you're right, you're right, you're right. I know you're right. I said, but here is the tough part. Yeah, you're four and three and things aren't that good. The question is, when you're seven and oh, will you remember that God's still doing stuff? So don't get so attached to the outcome. Do the right thing. Do the next thing. What are you going to do when your wife doesn't respond? We're attached to that. That's how men do. We do something, and then we step back and we go, okay, did that work? Right? Isn't that what we do? You know? I think it's very discouraging that the number one need on the man's list is sexual. We have sexual needs, right? I, I don't have to convince you all of that. It's not even on the top five of women. Now, how unfair is that, you know? And so what do we do? You can all relate to this. This is why I share it. We do things and see if it works, you know? If we get a response, well, what do you do? I'm going to do that again, you know? And, you know, what worked when they were young doesn't work when they're old, older, <laughs> a few years, because what? It's just, just different, but that's how men operate. What do we do? We change the game plan. We do something different. My question is, what are you going to do in the fire and in the ice? Because that's where God forges us. There's times of fire. But there's also times of ice. And that's how they forge steel. That's how they, and it, it makes us strong. And my question is, are you going to get passive when nothing's happening? Are you going to get so attached to the outcome that you forget that God's doing something in you? And it's, there's a greater thing going on. Because why? He set eternity in your heart. Because why? I'm comparing myself to the guy that's got five talents or... I'm looking at so-and-so's Facebook, you know. All Facebook is is a highlight reel of, you know, they're not going to put their bad plays on there. They just put the good stuff. You don't see me any frowning pictures. It's just a highlight reel, you know. Oh, I'm in Destin, and I'm eating, and, you know. They fight just like you fight, you know. They become dissatisfied just like you do. So the question is, I want to give you these six areas uh, of companionship because this is what I don't want you to get passive in. All right? 
These are the areas right here. Let's put them up there. Spiritual companionship. You've got to have spiritual companionship. You, you can't check out and get passive and let your feelings of inadequacy cause you to get passive and check out. Nobody feels comfortable. You, you might be married to a... My wife's a prayer warrior, all right? And she's probably more spiritual than I am, you know, in some... But does that... Do I check out? No, because I'm responsible to lead spiritually. I might not know the Bible like she knows it and something, and she's a prayer warrior, but, you know, together we work together. Because if I check out spiritually, what's going to happen? That causes problems in a marriage. Second thing, look at this, verbal companionship. You know, you, listen, you got to learn to communicate. you you got to learn in part, a great part of communication is just listening. And what do we do? We get passive in our listening, don't we? Because, you know, I'm watching ESPN, and she's over here talking. Am I listening? Kind of. Okay. I mean, have you ever said, would you turn that TV off? You know? And so now I just go, wait a minute, something good's getting ready to happen. I'm not listening. <laughs> so I can enjoy the play or, or whatever. But you better learn that part. Don't check out. Emotional companionship. These feelings and, you know, I don't know if you've, not, if you've realized women are different than men in, the, in this category. But if you check out emotionally, it's going to scare your wife to death. And you've got to learn to control your emotions and what are causing these feelings, where are they coming from. And so, you know, my son will be a great coach because when he's on the sideline, no emotion. You know, the great coaches, you know, well, when everything's going good. You know, Saban's a great coach, but he, he really pitched a fit, didn't he? Uh, I saw a clip. But anyway, you've you got to keep yourself under control. And you've got to learn to deal with these feelings and not quit just because I... How many of you have ever been at a point where you just... You go, oh, I just don't feel good. You know, I'm just... I don't know what I'm going to do. And, the phone, you know, your phone rings and, hey, i got an extra... Spot on a foursome. Well, yeah, man, that sounds great. I'm feeling better already, you know? And, and you go out. And so feelings are part of your intellect. You choose your feeling. You choose your attitude. You get to choose whether you accept things the way they are. And this emotion deal is a big thing. I'll give you these other recreational companionship. That's doing things together, sharing that. Parental, if you got kids... You got to do that together. You got to communicate. You got to you got to work on that. You got to talk about that. We were a team. If the kids want to do something fun, who'd they come to? Me, because I'm the party waiting to happen. I'm creative, and I know. Right? Is that the way it is? Your grandkids, they love you. I see all your pictures and what you do with your grandkids. And you know what? They love you because you 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 think up stuff, and and you do that. And uh, that's part of being a parent or a grandfather. Number six is the sexual companionship. We talked about that. That, that just, you know, it's just part of it. And uh, you got to figure that part out. But this lesson's not on that. This lesson is to get you to reject passivity. Quit it. 
Quit quitting. Stay in the practice. Play the games. Practice. Keep practice. Love the Lord your God with all your heart. Let me tell you what Solomon said. This is the end. Look at this. Solomon. He did it all. This is the last verse. That's the whole story. That's what he says. That's the whole. And here now is my final conclusion. This is a guy that tried everything. He had everything. He experienced everything. He tried to do everything to find out the meaning of life. And this is what he came up with. Fear God. Obey his commandments. For this is everyone's duty. You know, fearing God is not, uh, it's reverence and honor. Let me tell you, when you come to worship, you know what worship is? Reverence and honor for God. You can sing, Jesus loves me. You can sing all those songs you want, praise songs, you know. But let me tell you something. When there's reverence and honor as we lift our hands to him, we study the word of God, it changes everything. Because we're there because we fear God and we know God. Keep his commandments. There's no greater thing than just to be obedient. You want to live a meaningful, meaningless life? You be disobedient. Because you know what? You can't enjoy sin and neither can I. It might be a fleeting pleasure, you know, but it's a cheap pleasure. That's what porn is. It's just a cheap substitute for the real thing. And you know what? We're all distracted. We all get off track. We all get deceived because we let our minds go there. And before you know it, we get passive. Oh, this is easier. I have this need. This is the easier way. Instead of the being like Anthony Miller and staying true to the real reason that you're there. And lastly, is there another one? Yeah. Include God in your planning. Now, why do you do that? Because you don't include God in your planning. You, you know, your plans are going to be in trouble. So here's what I want you to do. I want you to end it at your table. you got a few minutes. If we're going to get better, all right, if we're going to, I don't, I don't say, uh, what do I, I, the question says, what do I need to work on? Okay. You know, <laughs> all of it. Okay. Yeah, I, I got that answer. But where is, where is it that you have a growth opportunity? Where in all this that we talked about tonight, where do you have a growth opportunity? Is there just some things that you just not have accepted? Have you just not accepted the job that you have? You know, when you accept the job that you have and, and are thankful and have gratitude for that, it makes your job different. You know, maybe your heart is not where it needs to be and the out overflow of what comes out of my mouth is judgmental enough. Uh, okay, maybe I need to spend more time in loving God instead of what? Loving myself because I'm always upset because I didn't get this. I'm an emotional child. You know what children do when they don't get what they want? What do they do? 
They pitch a fit. I wish you could see me when I get angry. And I've, I've done really good, but I, I, you know, I just had a little bump in the road and I got angry and I went home and I'm in the middle of pitching a fit, Mr. Bennett. I, I was in there and I was just, you know, I just lost. I just, I got mad. I was angry and, you know, I didn't care. And I just went around there and it was just like I was going through it and I just, I couldn't stop. I kept talking about, you know how your mind when it gets negative, what do you do? You repeat the story over and over, and then you, you talk about, well, I just can't believe they did that. Then, and let me tell you what else they did, and then this, and then that. And before you know it, you just work yourself into a lather, and you just repeat that negative story over and over and over. And even in the middle of it, the Lord was whispering in my ear, would you take a good look at yourself? You're acting like a baby. And I was like, well, I don't care because I'm mad. <laughs> and I, you know, you know, have you ever done that? Just like, I know this looks stupid. And, and I've been working on this. I've been, you know, I, I know that about me. I got to be careful. I don't need to pitch a fit. That's an emotional adolescence or child pitching a fit because it's all about who? It's all about me. And the Lord said, you know, you've been working on that. It's obvious you thought you had that mastered. But it looks like to me that the devil got you. He got you. I was like, I know, Lord. But before I went to bed, I just said, Lord, I know. I said, I, I know I need to ask for forgiveness before I go to bed. And I, I'm sorry. I, I know. I'm still mad. I was just honest. I was like, you know, I'm still mad, but I know I shouldn't be, but I am. And I know, I know I'm not reacting like I'm supposed to be reacting, but Lord, would you just forgive me and help me sleep tonight? Because what happens, you know, when we get like that, we can't sleep, we can't rest. I said, Lord, I just, I just need to rest. The next morning I got up, and if God is my witness, he got all over me. And he said, now listen, I know what you got mad about. And he says, but I just want to remind you, I called you, and you get back to your station. You get back to work. Don't you be staying in all of it. I mean, I called you. You know what you're supposed to do. Now you get there and you do it. Because why? Because God called me to do that. Let me tell you men, you know what God called you to do. You need to do it. Don't sit around these feelings and get over yourself. That's what my wife says. You need to get over yourself. <laughs> I was like, you're probably right, right? Yeah. But you need to get over yourself. What do you, what's the growth opportunity for you out of tonight? All right? Turn over the tables. Somebody pray at your table when you're done. And you guys, hey, thank y'all for letting me be here tonight. All right?